This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Joining me for this episode, we're going to talk about some West Coast Pilsner, some West Coast IPA, some West Coast Hoppy Beers, because we're here on the West Coast with Justin Burt, head brewer for Ghost Town Brewing. Welcome to the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast, Justin. Hey, stoked to be here, dude. Well, I am stoked to be talking to you about beer. Uh, we had a, this random encounter at CBC in Nashville. I shouldn't say it wasn't random. It was really more like calculated on my part. <laughs> Where uh, your crew rolled in, uh, it's a Monday night brewing where we were hanging out uh, that night of CBC. And I was like, huh, conversations happened. I knew I was coming out here for this. Like I had been wanting for weeks to get uh, a conversation going with Ghost Town because you guys win a lot of medals in hoppy beer categories. Justin, a lot. Hey, hey you know, we've been lucky these last few years, I guess, you know, Uh <laughs> Well, we're going to try to figure out what you do to, to cause that luck because there's no such thing as luck when you win GABF gold two years in a row, 2021 and 22, for your double IPA Nose Goblin. By the way, the recipe for Nose Goblin, or a homebrew scaled recipe for Nose Goblin, is in the latest spring 2023 issue of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine. So pick that up if you're not already a subscriber. Um, of course, of course, everybody wants to read the recipe, and thank you for providing that, Justin. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. You also won GABF Gold in 2022 for Mordant IPA, a silver for your Cave Dweller West Coast Pills, uh, World Beer Cup Silver in 2022 for Ostuary Robust Porter. That's a lot of medals in a short amount of time, um, you know, and in some pretty uh, highly competitive categories. And we are going to use this podcast to dive into how exactly you did that um, and try to pick apart all of the little details that uh, help you make successful West Coast IPA, West Coast Pilsner, and hoppy beers in general. Before we do that, G&D Chillers, the brewing industry's premier choice for glycol chilling, are proud of the cool partnerships they've built over the past 30 years. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. Want to maximize efficiency in your chiller? GD's micro-channel condensers are designed for less power draw. Their lighter weight, more compact design uses up to 70% less refrigerant, which means a lower GWP and lower operating costs. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. There's a GD chillers in the uh, chiller in the room right next to us right now, isn't there, Justin? There is, and it kicks ass. Also, this episode is sponsored by BSG, distributors of Gambrinus Malting, Canada's original small batch artisanal malt house. If you've been searching for the perfect malt that's not quite pale and not Munich, you're in luck. Gambrinus Vienna is the malt you've been looking for. This mellow kilned malt has a balanced, bready character with notes of honey, toffee, and caramel baked in. With a gorgeous golden color, it's ideal for adding depth without too much sweetness. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more. And is your brewing making its own ciders, seltzers, and other beverages beyond beer? If you need a central source for fruit flavor, Old Orchard has you covered. Old Orchard supplies flavored craft juice concentrate blends to beverage brands for the production of beer, cider, seltzer, wine, spirits, kombucha, and more. Flavor your lineup and streamline your sourcing by heading to oldorchard.com slash brewer 
So, Justin, you listen to the podcast. You know what we do next. You know how we get this started, right? We're going to talk a little bit about history. So why don't you tell you your brewing history and uh, give us the, the the Cliff Notes history on Ghost Town. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started... While, pro- while I drink some more West Coast IPA and listen to you talk for a second. Please, please. Uh, yeah, I uh, got into the industry professionally in uh, 2013. Um, started kind of a... You know, I was a home brewer gone pro. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work under some really good brewers. Uh, my starting spot was Black Diamond Brewing in Concord, California. Um, for those of you that know about that, it was small. There's some sad stories about it, but uh, I had some great brewers I worked under and, um, you know, worked my way up there, yada, 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 kind of teach you production aspects, teaches you all the right techniques and all that. And then from there, you know, just, you know, kept my head in where I loved. It was hops and kind of kept growing and growing with hops. But um, while I was I was only there for about three years, you know, and in the three years I was there, I went from uh, internship to head brewer pretty quick. So a lot of pressure, a lot of shit to figure out, you know, um, which was cool. You know, I can't say I made the best beer there by any means, but, you know, I learned on their dime and, sure. you know, and all that. But um, as I was getting more and more into it, you know, they're like they had this was back, you know, 2013. So 2014 ish mosaic citra eldorado all these cool hops are kind of hitting the market and we had them all contracted we had you know our, our original head brewer had all that regardless um as we kept going you know like beers were just inconsistent 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 yada yada and you know and that's when it kind of clicked in my head back then it was like well let's keep better track of hops let's keep better track of fun you know let's like you know mosaic just isn't mosaic citra just isn't citra simcoe just isn't simcoe right you know and especially when you get in three different lots Anyway, so kind of just, um, you know, I already had the lover hops going into it, kind of got me more exposed to some really awesome hops as they were coming out and peaking. Um, so kind of just kept working, doing what we were doing there. Some shit happened there with the owners. Writing was on the wall that it was probably going to close down within the next two years. Um, I had met the guys here at Ghost Town at actually a yeast class held by White Labs. And um, we were just hanging out and randomly got grouped up. And started talking death metal, which was both of us had a lot in common with. So, uh, yeah, we're talking metal and all that. And then they were like, Hey, can we bring our beers by for you guys to try, you know, so we trying the beers, developed this relationship with ghost town, um, maybe eight months into it, you've kind of approached these guys. And I was like, Hey, I'm ready to move on. Cause you know, I don't, sure. I, I can't have a permanent career here. So came over to Ghost Town. We're on a one barrel system. This is about six years ago. This is twenty shit, twenty sixteen. Beginning. You joined up here when they had a you were brewing a one barrel system. One barrel, yes. So we had a two boil kettles and a one barrel mash, just on a big, you know, good old homebrew style looking thing. And uh, we were doing uh, ten barrels a week. So Monday, Thursdays were three barrels. Tuesday, Friday were two barrels. Wednesday was down day for ordering, maintenance, bullshit. And uh, it was, you know, it was, you know, long days and you're kind of just trying to do it. And at that point, we didn't have a tap room. We were just doing retail. You You were doing retail off of a system that size. Oh, yeah. And hand bottling, too. Ouch. We would. So we do 10 barrels and every Wednesday, excuse me, and Wednesday was packaging day. And so and we legitly hand bottled bombers all fucking day long, you know, free carbonated out of the bright tank and all that. But, um, you know, I had a. Everything felt right with these guys. Pay, um, paying your dues, that is definitely a dues paying kind of experience. We had no floor drains at that brewery. Oof. No floor drains. We yeah, had a sink. Yeah. So we had to find ways to drain. No, so 
yeah, that's you know, a lot of belief and a lot of love to uh, you know to jump in and do it that kind of way. And five hundred barrels a year, which is not. That's a that's decent not, amount if you don't have floor drains. On that size, sure. <laughs> or sure. no drains, should I say? Right. But yeah, um, and so um, came over here, um, had a great relationship with these guys already, friends, and then um, you know just kind of kept you know nerding out on the hops, doing what I love, talking to people, reading books, educating myself, spending time in Yakima, and um, you know st- sticking to my favorite ingredient in the brewing process and. You know, from there, we went from a one barrel to a 15 barrel brew house. And then we opened up our tap room and we were doing 15 barrels a week, 30 barrels, you know, and it just organic growth. And now we're, um, we built it up to, it was just me and one other employee. Now we have between our brewery and our restaurant, we have 45 people staffed. We're currently on a 30 barrel, four vessel brew house. And we're doing, you know, double batches right now. And that's all we can do because our water can't even keep up with that barely, you know. So and we don't have $100,000 right now to, you know, give to the local water company to come and increase our pipe diameter. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And all, yeah. you know, I uh, came to Ghost Town, awesome owners. And, you know, they gave me the freedom to kind of just do what I love and stick to hops. And we learned together as a team. You know, we made some mistakes and, you know, we grew from it and you know, kind of got us to where we are now. So. Yeah, no, that's that's quite the organic growth story right there. Uh, you know, as uh, to to go from a one barrel system to a thirty barrel system with a one fifteen, you know, step along the way. Um, and I, you know, from what I understand, you've got a, you've future growth plans that are going to hopefully be even bigger than this. Uh, kind of wild to pull all of this off here in, in Oakland, California. It's a market that is well established for craft beer, where there are plenty of people, uh, plenty of historic craft brewers here in the Bay Area. And uh, tell me about that kind of development within this broader Bay Area brewing scene. Sure. Yeah. So when we came into it, you know, one thing I say we. Uh, we did well is we stuck to our guns with West coast IPA. Um, we were, they were before I joined them, were focusing on West coast IPA. They had a rye IPA, a single, and then a double and then a pale ale, but all clear, you know, and this is kind of right when the hazy things kind of kicking off and all that. And, you know, we, we make hazies and we, and then, you know, we're not, you have it's to a shame it. you make West coast IPA. Cause I mean, who wants to buy those anymore? I mean, what's, what's, what the fuck's wrong with people, dude? No, <laughs> but no, it was uh, where I came from. We were still making a bunch of West Coast sure. and we all took pride in it because it's like, you know, as much as the Hastings, it's cool, you know, and you know, there's styles. The you West drink Coast you IPA never went away. 100%. And we were fortunate enough. We stuck with that. We did that. And that's kind of now it's what we're known for. Like we make West Coast. I mean, we're currently, you know, I mean. So what were those early, what were those early influences? You know, where were you drawing inspiration from as a brewer? Um, in those early days. And, uh, you know, what was it? It was like, this is the way I want to make it. And then where did you start going, you know, from a creative process from there to figure out how you went from being inspired to then making something that was your own? Um, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, inspiration, you know, local breweries, Russian River, hands down. Sure. Uh, number one, Blind Pig was something that we would always be consuming. Um, at the time, also another, um, a, we're inspired by stone. I mean, kind of like the OGs in the West coast sure. craft scene, you know, but, um, you know, from there, you know, it was just kind of like, how can we make our beers taste like their beers without this proper education and all that? I'm sure Firestone Walker played a little bit of role in it here in the central coast, you know, of course. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, actually Firestone uh, for me, you know, the, the Pivo pills was always, that was kind of like our drinking beer. 
But um, yeah, no, I mean, inspiration, honestly, it was just also just being hopheads, you know, and, you know, I'm, I, I talked to you a little bit, you know, I have a little bit of a cannabis background too, which kind of go hand in hand and all that. But um, to me, it was just trying to chase this flavor profile that nobody else was doing here with the exception of Russian River, uh, but not truly being able to, you know, know what their recipes are or anything like that. So it was just how, how, how do we perfect this? How do, how do we perfect our yeast management on the small scale, right? How do sure. we perfect hop quality? How do we perfect transfers? How do we perfect oxidation? How do we do all this type of stuff? And then, you know, as I kept dialing, 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 you truly realize, you know, obviously your practices are most important, but next to that, our hop quality was most important to us too. Cause you know, I came from a professional background too. So we had our practices pretty much dialed in and now ghost town gave me the opportunity to really just get into the hop side of things and start learning farms, start getting the selection, you know, and which, you know, didn't happen our first two years, but we were able to quickly kind of grow. And I will, I'll, you know, if I'm allowed to drop some names. Sure, sure, of course. Cellar Maker hooked us up with some awesome mosaic, you know, and it was little things like that. They're, they're just like people over there. They're badass, man. But that, you know, opened our minds because we're like, we're buying stuff off spot. Then you smell this and you're you like, realize what a selected, uh, you know, kind of, of hop from this can do and how much different it feels from the and smells from the thing that you're used to when you buy that in that kind of way on the spot. Market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, and that's kind of where like, you know, I just dissected and I, I just blinders off for and it's like, you know, the, the truth, the true nature of reality has been uh, revealed to you. And now, uh, now you have to soak all of this up and, uh, you know, pursue that as far as you can. Yeah. And not give up and just keep going. And what can I do to get, these hops what do we need to do do we have to hit a volume do we have to meet these people i mean and it's a game i mean to an extent right you you have to hit a volume you do have to know so and so and you know and I, we learned that and so we developed you know we increased production which let us buy more hops and finally we hit a certain point where we can select and then we learned from there and then we met the farmers that grew the hops that we really liked and we fell in love with certain farms and but yeah, ultimately, I mean, I think what took us from that one barrel to where we are now was the love for hops, you know, and the uh, just obsessed about trying to chase a certain aroma in this one hop profile and this other hop profile. And then from there, you know, we once we find the hops we like, then we scale it back and we kind of go into fermentation techniques, hopping techniques and all these other things. But we can't do all that until we have a product that we're stoked on and we have to be happy with that. We know we can make work both ways. Um, so like, you know, the old saying, you can't make good beer with shitty hops, but you can make shitty beer with good hops, you know? And so we are starting to get to the point where we got fucking awesome hops and, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't want to say it's, it's that easy, but you know, if you have good practices and you do things and you have quality ingredients, you know, you're going to make good beer, you know, but it comes down to your practices too a lot. So, right. Are you going to make good beer if you're a good beer maker? Yes. Um, yeah. And I want to figure out how you didn't fuck it up at that point with with now access to great hops. Before we before we talk about that, AccuBrew now monitors specific gravity to ensure consistent results and detect problems before they ruin a batch. The AccuBrew system is designed to give you unprecedented insight into the fermentation process, monitor gravity, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature, 
schedule reminders, and receive alerts anywhere, anytime. AccuBrew's CIP-ready device is designed to stay out of your way. They know your time and space is precious, and they take up as little of both as possible. No more samples, no cleaning, and no calibration. Set it and forget it. To learn more about AccuBrew, head on over to AccuBrew.io. Also, brewing is currently one of the most innovative, adaptive, and fast-paced industries in the world. With consumer demand shifting to the latest and greatest trend, it can be difficult for production teams to keep up with requirements. The ProFill series of rotary can fillers from ProBrew are accelerating plant production everywhere. These can fillers run at speeds between 100 and 600 plus cans per minute while achieving precise and consistent filling volumes not achievable by most inline and mobile fillers. For more information, visit www.probrew.com or email contact us at probrew.com to learn exactly how they can take your operations to the next level. Probrew, brew your beer. And Tabski QR code ordering is the future of brewery ordering. With Tabski, your customers can order and pay for their beers right from their phones, by scanning a QR code on the table, get rid of lengthy lines and increase check size by up to 30%. Tabski is free for operators and integrates seamlessly with popular payment systems like Clover and Square. So why not join the future of brewery ordering and give Tabski a try? Learn how you can get started today at Tabski, that's T-A-B-S-K-I dot com. All right, Justin, so you're finally getting good hops. You're finally getting hops that you are super stoked on um, that you can see the quality. And, you know, number one, my, my first question is, how do you define those things? Like, you know, how do you, you know, in your picture as you're evaluating hops, what's the difference between great hops, good hops, and average hops? Totally. Let me, um, let's talk uh, Mosaic, um, which is, in my opinion to this day, still the best hop out there, uh, in my opinion. But like when we're going, it's not really a hot take. I mean, that's a great hop. I mean, it just plays well with others sure. and it plays well by itself, you know, such, I mean, we, we all know what the really awesome hops are, but, um, yeah, for us, like for me, you know, um, when I'm going in for the hop, the one thing I found that worked really well was it's more coming from a sensation standpoint and not necessarily, uh, I'm looking for, you know, blackberry at this point passion fruit at this point, you know, like I'd kind of dropped the adjectives and just went straight for sensations. Like, you know, cause we're, we're, I would say we're still brewing on an artistic standpoint more than a scientific stand, you know, you know, we kind of let our ingredients do what they do to us. But like, to me, like awesome mosaic. Uh, and, 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 and real quick to be clear, we do select multiple lots. So we pick different kind of flavor points just to Fancy. nowadays we, do. we we didn't do this then we yeah. we can do that now so now we can do that much more volume where you can have multiple yes we yeah we'll, we'll have our t90s from two different suppliers and our cryo from ych we're ych heavy uh you know because they're awesome products but um anyway like we go in for mosaic and let, let's just say our, our the 75 percent the heavy mosaic that we go for um is going to be uh, what I would heavy, call the heavy mosaic. Well, what I'm my yeah. dank, my dank ass yeah, motherfucking yeah, yeah. shit. I look for fucking armpit. I look for burying the background, but then I do this. The way I call it is, it's like that wasabi sting. You know, like when you do wasabi and you get mm-hmm. that nostril sting right up between your eyes. If you rub the, let's say, like it comes down to two different lots right in front of you, and they're both giving you everything you like. You go for the one that has that. I don't know what the chemical is that's coming off of it, but it gives you the sensation. 
And we, that's kind of like my go-to for their, like our mosaic or citrus or Simcoe's and all that, you know, like we'll find our mosaic has to hurt. It does. It's got to hurt. It No, uh, but, yeah. you know, but in a great I mean, way. And the, the most metal thing that uh, you've said so far in this podcast, which for a brewery that's so predicated on metal is, is pretty awesome. Fucking hurts, brother. Yeah. Uh, no, no. But uh, yeah, no, it's and to me, that's like it, I, it comes across as dank as fuck in our beers, you know. And um, and we still get that berry undertone from it that you might be looking for. But like with our mosaics, they're I mean, you tried a, a beer earlier, you know, it, they're um, we're not soft with our mosaics. Like I do have a lot of mosaic that are softs and those are good to our hazies. But our West Coast, you know, we want aggressive. Like I said, it's it's armpit and dank. And um, and can I drop farm names right now? Like, sure. Sure. Brulot Farms that we've been getting uh, Reggie's mosaic for the last three years. Mosaic is one of the main hops in all of our award-winning beers. And it's, like I said, her stuff is just it's dank as fuck. And it's funny, one of our local buddies in the area, I won't drop their name, but they selected their lot, you know, just talking to us. And then they're like, dude, all of our beers keep tasting like ghost town beers, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you know, they're like, it's just too dank though. It's like, we need, we need, we need to dial back the fruitiness, you know, or, or get it back to that fruity aspect. But, um, no, I mean, mad props to Brewlot Farms because uh, yeah. uh, we've selected blindly three years in a row from uh, Reggie's stuff and uh, we love it. And to me, that's just, you know, yeah, we still, yeah, I mean, we still dry hop at the four pound per barrel kind of thing like most people do. But that's kind of like for most like that's what we look for. You know, other hops, I'm happy to talk about a few other varieties. If you sure. Want, yeah, but, let's talk um, about other hop varieties. Like we can go like like Citra. So yeah. we have a, a Citra's probably we buy the most of Citra because we have a flagship IPA in Hume. That's citra dominant. It's about 60% citra. And for that one, um, you know, we definitely go for the melon aspect of it. But I, and I was scolded actually last year by a couple of brewers. I won't name their names, but I still look for that little like cat pee kind of thing. And everyone's like, that's an off flavor. You can't do that. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and in, in hindsight, too, let's keep this real. Like scolded through the selection process, or scolded uh, drinking a beer at Single drinking. Hill, talking to some brewers who I had never met before, told me that I didn't know what I was talking about um, because nobody looks for that kind of thing. That's an off flavor in Citra, yada yada. But I'm happy with it. I like how our Citra beers come out, you know. And uh, wow, I mean, honestly, like you know, the balls on some folks. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, you know. No, I mean, yeah, no. Trust me. And a little bit of capis. There's the secret. Like, don't don't shy away from it. Don't. And, yeah. and keep in mind too. I, I'm 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 smelling a little eight ounce pocket out of this vast majority. Of sure, sure. Right. You know. So you know. I mean. And and, and again, we. Um, and yeah. I mean, we select our citra normally from Peralt. You know. I mean, it's like we naturally just kind of lean towards Washington. They they farms, know a thing you know? or two about about citra. So yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, on our selection, we go in blind every time, like it mentioned. Yeah. Like we sniff, we smell, we know what we like. And most of the time it ends up being, I mean, like Peralt's been Citra for our last two out of the last three years type of thing, but I make not, it work. That's you know? not an atypical thing. You know, I think that as you can tell folks that have a dialed sensory approach to selection, because they do tend to select the same things consistently year after year, same farms, you know, same, uh, parcel on that farm, that kind of thing. Um, and it's interesting to see those folks that are able to do that and do find that consistency so that you can kind of start narrowing down your selection over time and uh, not just kind of dally out there. Are there other than Citra, are there other hops that you have some kind of formed ideas 
about what you look for when you're selecting them? I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Centennial, we use a lot of Centennial and I mentioned earlier, we use a lot of Cascade too, but, uh, that's all hot side. Um, it's not cool anymore. <laughs> you can't say Cascade, Damn, right? Us in Sierra Nevada. Uh, no, but, uh, Centennial, um, will change your approach a little bit, right? You know, like we try and chase that little bit, that old school grapefruit that people went after. But, you know, nowadays it's kind of, cause Centennial went like lemony for a little while. And I wasn't the biggest fan when it kind of went that lemon route. Um, I kind of go back to the orange blossom, grapefruit blossom kind of centennial. But again, when it all comes down, like we'll, we'll, we'll sniff six lots of centennial, knock out the lemon ones right off the bat. And then we'll kind of come to the ones like how close are we to marmalade? And then which one gives you that wasabi sensation? Right. You know, and then it's, and then that's kind of like how our deciding factor there, but yeah, like, like to me, like good centennial has got a marmalade aspect to it. We use a lot of centennial here. How much, you know, through that selection process, do you make decisions about the next year's beer saying, hey, I didn't find what I wanted out of this kind of thing, you know, and I, I'm instead inspired by this other thing. Maybe we should think about how we move things in a, a different direction so that I can, you know, find something to do with this because this sparks an idea in me. Um, so on the rub itself, tech usually always get excited about everything. So you can almost have to wait until you get the T90s or the cryo or whatever in house. And then you smell it. And then you kind of start making up your mind about things. So some beer, yeah, some hops will open up a bag and it doesn't come across nearly close to what our notes were. So you got to brew a batch or two with it. Kind of see how it's playing the role. Is this going to come off fruitier than we thought? Is it going to come off more dank than we thought? You know, every now and then. OG comes through, which we didn't detect, you know, like we'll go through our stuff, you know, read our black notes current. And, black current, excuse me. Yeah. Allium. Allium. I love that term for it. Yes. Black current as Dr. Ron would say, exactly. um, who I will quote all day long. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, more, it, that, that's, what's fun. Cause it's like, we get all our new hops in, in February and then we spend March, April, May dialing in our beers again, you know, and unfortunately we do have a flagship, which I was telling you about our in Hume West Coast IPA, which is, Centennial, Simcoe, Citra, Little Cascade. Um, so, you know, I try and get those as close as I can just by senses, you know. Um, and then we'll just kind of mix, you know, it's, it's a lot of other brewers with that. You, it takes you a few batches of tasting it to kind of really get it. Like for me, it's like off the, you know, going back to your question, the dry hop rub, sure, everything fucking smells good. Like, and they get you too. You go in there, you have a few beers and they're like, smell this new experiment. You're like, fucking give me 10 boxes. And you're like, smell this new experiment. Like, 20 boxes. You got cryo, six boxes of cryo. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at my contracts. I'm like, the fuck did I just do? <laughs> Shit. Okay. I got to make some new beers here. Um, the hop regret is real. Oh, it, it is. But when you're sitting there and, and you, everything rubs great, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, it doesn't always come across that way in the bag and cross that way in the beer, you know, and there's so many new experimental hops right now. So, you know, and um, they're good at it, you know, and they give you a few pints and get you lubed up and, so I got to be better about that. But um, ultimately, yeah, we'll smell the hops. We'll try a beer with it and then we'll evaluate it from there and we'll continue on, you know. And um, if it's something we're not super excited about, we'll trash it. You know, it's if it's not a quality hop, we'll trash it. Or uh, we we have great relationships with our suppliers and they're awesome. You know, if it's not something that we're stoked on, they'll swap lots with us and work with us, you know. But fortunately, that hasn't been a problem lately, you know. Um, yeah. But everybody we work with, is they're awesome. I, I think everybody wants the same goal here, you know, like a good product, happy customers, and hops that we're happy with, you know. But 
Yeah. As you're going through that rub, you know, how do you, you know, as, as a brewer, you know, you are working with these ingredients from the moment that you rub them in the selection through opening that bag and through drinking the finished product. What, what are some of those characteristics and some of these particular common popular hops um, that you might smell in that selection process that don't make it through into the finished beer? What are some of those things that you catch in smaller amounts maybe as you're going through the selection process that as they go through fermentation, you might, they might amplify and you might get more of those, you know, how do you like, talk to me about that creative process of envisioning how these things that you're, you know, sampling, rubbing and smelling as a raw product, how you can envision how those are going to follow through your whole production process, hot side and cold side and into a finished beer. You know, what do you pay attention to? What do you not pay attention to? Sure. Um, I'll go back to, again, we're a little more uh, uh, artistically driven than, you know, sure. I, like I, I, I follow oil content and I follow things like that, but uh, we're also part of hop quality groups. So we're taught, you know, oil quality over oil quantity, which I'm a firm believer of from all, hmm. oh, you know, other things in life, but um, you're drinking so, the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I see what's on paper. Sure. Um, but uh, when it's all said and done, we have to, you know, the nose knows. You have to trust your nose. So let's say we're, let's go back to our mosaics. So we're rubbing our mosaics and you're smelling it and you're like, this one has a mamba mango kind of thing going. Wow. This one over here has a passion fruit guava thing going and is a little bit brighter and kind of, you know, like, again, I'm going to come back. I mean, I'm going to keep coming back the to my wasabi click. sense. The tongue click. Well, the tongue click, but it. It all to me, like honestly, dude, like okay. the the triggers. It's when it hits this yeah. part of my nostril right here. But um, so like, so we're rubbing it. So like, to me, it's like okay, I'll smell some mosaics, and they have that uh, fake fruit kind of like candy fruit kind of smell. I don't like that. I don't want that. Um, to me, that's going to come across as too sweet. The aroma is going to be too sweet. It might be kind of powerful right up front, but it's not going to carry over through the course of consuming that beer. When I get that super bright, tro- and, you know, this is this is just me. Sorry, uh, that super bright tropical fucking mosaic that's stinging me, but also smells a little bit like my armpit after about a four day camping trip. I know that that little bit of armpit is going to amplify that aroma that I get, you know, from that berry and all that. And I again, I come back like I have this. I wish I could say in a scientific way, but like that that the sensation I feel um, I just know it's going to like reek. I know it's going to fucking pop again. Now you have to have healthy fermentation processes, healthy yeast and all this other stuff to make that actually happen. But like, I'm, I feel confident. Like I, 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 I stride for that. Oh, sorry. Is that, did that no, I, I know what you're saying. I, and I think, this, you know, if, if I were to try to articulate it, I, I think what you're, what you're striving for is some sort of like, you know, if, if I were thinking about it in visual terms, like, you know, your photo editing software would be your contrast, you know, that, uh, you know, you can make really saturated colors and they can just feel kind of gross and overdone. But if you, you know, amplify some of the definition and do that through like a clarity filter, and then you also, you know, pump some of that contrast that, that kind of light, dark, 
you know, kind of dichotomy, um, that up and down. And if you can have some of that fruit and some of that armpit that like pumping that kind of contrast is the thing that makes something really interesting. And, uh, you know, and kind of, you know, if I think about it again in photo editing terms, which I hope people understand this because now we all have photo editors. We all post on social media and Instagram filters or, you know, that's just like a broad cultural thing, right? You know, you use that kind of clarity function, you use that kind of contrast and all of a sudden now you get more edge definition. And now you see all of these kinds of, you know, these kind of, you know, sharper lines through your photo rather than these kinds of soft edges. And that kind of contrast just, makes things feel more vivid it's not just pushing the saturation of the colors themselves because you know if you're just doing that then it just kind of looks gross and overdone but when you have that contrast then it adds that kind of crispness to all of it uh, and you have this kind of light and dark push and pull and uh, you know it sounds like that kind of dynamic is the thing that you're striving for in there you know it's also like you know loud and soft in music if you know if it's all loud you know, then where's the tension lie? You know, you've got to have those soft moments that pull you in so you can crush people as it gets loud. Right. To, totally. uh, to pull in our metal metaphors here. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, no, that's, that's a great way to put it. So, yeah. So how do you then, you know, uh, you know, are there other hops that you count on to kind of help create some of that tension? And are there some other hops that you rely on to, you know, help create some of that, uh, you know, joyous release, you know, as you're building this tension within, uh, these hoppy beers, how do you balance those two things? Yeah. So, um, we will, uh, so lately we're, uh, we'll give you another hop that we're obsessed with right now is Nelson. Um, so like, we're, you know, you get, I knew I liked you for some, uh, you know, who doesn't like Nelson? Who can, who but- can hate Nelson? Especially with all, um, from my understanding, this is one of the best crop years of Nelson that's supposed to be coming out here soon. That's what Dr. Ron says. So, you know, I'll, I'll believe him on that. Hey, Dr. Ron's sweet. Um, but yeah, no, so like, yeah, yeah. So like you got your mosaic, does this thing, plays well with others. Citra does this thing, pretty much plays well with others. Um, we will, let's say, we'll throw that Nelson in there now. So our Nelson, depending on the yeast strain that we use or how we ferment the beer or where at what point we dry hop with it that nelson now is going to add in either a a diesel character you know or that diesel file kind of which we strive for our nelson first off is we like a little higher alpha a little later harvest not og but they kind of you know the diesel thing it's kind of like i think cellar makers set the standards out here on the west coast for what we all want for nelson um, yeah, but don't they have like five different Nelson selections also that they all combine in one beer because they're nerds like that? I'm sure they do. I'm yeah. sure they do. I'm sure. But you know, they 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 you know they taught us all about that beautiful hop. Um, but so we'll take that hop, and then I know certain beers like mixed with mosaic, the diesel will come out. Yeah, I mix it with some citra, the diesel, and we'll get some fruitiness out of it. You know, um, it's you know it's it's kind of a Damn it. No, no, you can push it in different directions based on, uh, you know, and what you're, what you're trying to achieve with it, that it's not just, uh, it's not a one, one note hop that, uh, that, you know, provides one thing in that kind of context. How do you coax? Are there some things that you pair it with in order to coax out some of these different characters? What do you find yourself leaning on? And, uh, you know, when you're, you're blending in with Nelson for that kind of, you know, for this kind of beers. Well, so uh, for a hop, another hop that we might be leaning yeah. on would be, um, 
some sort of cryo of some sort, you know, typically mosaic Simcoe Citro. Um, Why cryo? Uh, first off, uh, we love the cryo Specifically because... Specifically cryo with Nelson T90s just, you know, because the cryo has some sort of intensity to it or what? Well, no. So, um, for the cryo, we, we, I kind of have a philosophy on like on ratios, right? Um, we can do so much T90 before we hit this over bundle, like a vegetable flavor profile. Then we'll dial in our cryo. So what's how much is so much? Uh, we typically keep it to about two and a half max three pounds per barrel of T90, um, hot, uh, dry hop. And then anything okay. past that will be cryo just so we can, keep our vegetable matter in check well, as far as our flavor profile goes to us, you know, um, same thing with hot side, uh, hot side. We try and keep it to no more than one pound per barrel of T90 and then cryo or extracts will play the role there to kind of, you know, clean up that vegetable matter. Um, but you still always blend those two because you want some of that. Oh, blend those two. And also our, our cryos and our T90s are from two different farms and they have two different, Flavor profiles too, so that that kind of comes back to like the three Even lots of the mosaic. Same op, same op all right, but all right. but so we know how they work. So like like um, for instance, we have a beer that's 50-50 mosaic Nelson. Um, now that we just use Nelson Cryo, <laughs> uh, you're like shit. I want to use more of this. Uh, it was so dank. They but, got you hooked. Oh my god, so good. But um, we will that one will tend to go lighter on the cryo, but just because we our T90s are not as OG as our cryo is, and the two of them just play so well together, and it lets that diesel kind of come out in the Nelson. Uh, while some other beer, like a double IPA, for instance, we go cryo heavy, right? Because we need to get that dry hop up at seven pounds per barrel, or five pounds, or whatever whatever the right, ratio is right. for that particular beer. That's that's the belief behind it is just it, like it it fills in that vegetable matter space, you know, we kind of just keep it clean there. But um, I don't think I'm actually answering your question. No, I mean, that, that's, so. an, that's an interesting one, uh, you know, but are there uh, other like specific varietals other than the format of the hop that you find that bring out some of those different Nelson characteristics? Um, yeah, you know, Rewaka, obviously yeah. you can, it's very expensive and low alpha. So it's kind of a waste to use here and there, but you can sub some Rewaka to bring out those Nelson things that you really would like. Um, I mean, like for our, for our, our, our New Zealand hops, we're Rewaka, Nelson, Nectaron. That's pretty much kind of where we go. We throw in a little Motueka, uh, Waimea here and there and all that. But um, no, I mean, I, um, you know, coming back to the the Nelson part of it, you know, our, our Nelsons are also just like crazy fruit, crazy diesel and, I think a lot of it comes down to the yeast strains that we're using too, you know, and then the temperature that we're fermenting at for our ultimate flavor profile and aroma and all that. So, you know, I, I my reputation is going to be shot. I went to hops straight out of the gate here and we're going to keep talking about hops, um, you know, because there's definitely some more that I want to talk to you about there. Before we do that, are you ready to start canning your craft beverages? Twin Monkeys Beverage Systems is here to help this troop of engineers, service tax, and microbrew fanatics offer customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Their canning lines are affordable, made in the USA, and engineered to grow alongside the needs of your business. Visit twinmonkeys.net today to learn just how easy it is to get your craft into cans and discover a whole soft lager range by Fermentis covering traditional to modern style lagers. Soft lager S189 for elegant lagers with floral notes. Soft lager S23 for fruity and hoppy ones. 
and Soft Lager W3470 for your neutral beers. Available in 500 grams, 100 grams, and 11.5 gram formats. And ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They're proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. They know the ins and outs of the brewing and installation process and can design the perfect setup for you, whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. Contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. ABS Commercial, we are brewers. So Justin, I promise we're going to go talk about all the other things from water to malt, uh, you know, and fermentation and all of those other things. But I kind of feel like, you know, I'm talking about hops in a way that we, I, you know, even on some of the recent West Coast IPA uh, podcasts haven't really talked about uh, hops from this kind of creative perspective. And so I appreciate your viewpoint on this. Um, you know, let me pop back. Are there, uh, you know, there's some other interesting hops or maybe some uh, some outliers or some unusual hops that find their way into some of your blends because they either provide an interesting character in and of themselves or you know they play a good point guard hop to something else and they help bring out another character um you know in a, in a you know kind of prime time hop uh, they help it play better you know we've talked a little bit about some of those already but i'm curious as you dig kind of deeper into into the crates and some of your beers if there's some unusual selections that you make and, and some reasons behind some of those selections sure um i mean yeah, our main selections we talked about Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic, but um, let's. I think we all know the Columbus Cryo, fun aspects of that. You know, like um, that's one to straight up if you want to just use it at a I don't know like uh, half percent or excuse me ten percent ratio in your dry hop to boof boof up some uh, dankness, some crazy. You know, not a lot of people are doing it. You know, I got, I got turned on at this. Why, why go to Columbus Cryo for that? I mean, it seems like an expensive well, way to use Columbus, uh, which is not necessarily an expensive hop. So so you're going to open up a bag of Columbus Cryo, and you're going to be like, holy fuck, this is fresh cut, green garlic, you know. Uh, but you throw it into the beer, and, you know, again, I'll come back. You know, it's um, garlic OG in the right, right, right amount is an amplifier, right? You know, it, it, it makes everything else just fucking bloom come out pop hit you in the fucking face um and which you know this was one uh credit to rip fucking badass brewers over there um our very first collab we did with them four years ago you know ian was like let's throw some 11 pounds that's it 11 pounds t90 or columbus cryo in a terminal uh, on a 35 barrel batch my god it just blows up everything goes crazy um Columbus Cryo goes I, crazy. What does goes crazy mean? Goes crazy is uh, it almost uh, again? I, I'm gonna I, I guess uh, guitar speaking amplifies it. it. It's like hitting not a distortion pedal, but hitting that uh, that volume boost for your guitar solo, and it just brought up our mosaic. Just got enhanced the we're walking with the beer we had earlier. The mosaic, you know, they just came out. They just came out popping more than they would have without that. Um, you know, I don't know the chemistry behind how it all works, but we do know that like that little touch of OG, which you fucking get from Columbus Cross. So it's, let's say it's not any other hops. You just give it that touch, give it that less than 10% in that dry hop. 
you're going to make your other hops just shine better. It's just going to turn up the volume. It's going to make them go to 11, you know? Um, but, um, another hop, you know, besides, you know, the Columbus cryo one, I would say is, uh, I mean, let's not, let's not forget Idaho seven, uh, which we go back and forth with the year to year. It's pineapple. Some it's folks dank, love it's it. Slashy, some folks man. don't. I mean, we still select it every year and every oh, yeah. time we select it, it's beautiful. It's great. But one year we're like, you know what? It just doesn't come across in the West coast the way it should. So mm. we'll just go hazy forward with it. Cause it always does beautiful and hazies. Uh, does beautiful and hazies. How? You know, it's, it's the pineapple of it comes out. Okay. In the hazies. You know, on the West coast, sometimes pineapple is just too much. You know, I tr- always look, it depends on where you're drinking your beers, but here where we are, you know, I'm not trying to get, too tropical with our West coast IPAs. You know, we want, we're not even going dank. We're just going, I mean, excuse me. We're, I apologize. We're not going pine. We're going dank. You know, we're yeah. aggressive, slightly offensive out here, you know, but then, but then around that, you know, you want your flavor part, you want your dry crisp, yada, yada, yada to hit all those points. But um, like Idaho seven, like we're finally just getting into our new lot of Idaho seven. We were dry hopping a West coast with it today and it fucking smelled like rotten pineapple, which is great. That's what I want. So I'm hoping next Tuesday when I taste the beer, it comes across that way. You know, if it doesn't, then we'll reevaluate it. We'll probably throw it more into our hazy program because we know just, you know, how the hazy strains work. Citra, Mosaic, Idos. There's certain hops that just kind of naturally just go fruit with it. And it'll just take the fruit aspects of it and kind of let those shine. But um, let me give you another hop. Uh, so we talked Mosaic, we talked Citra, we talked Simcoe, we talked Nelson. Um, five eight six. Let's not yeah give up our love on five eight six. All right, I do. When we're done here, I got that. I want to pour you some off the tank. We have a five eight six smash. Just twist my arm. Ah, what a beautiful lot, though. Let's you know. Um, again though, trying to figure out agronomic year for that one, if I recall correctly. But uh, yeah, but but beautiful flavor wise. Oh yeah, but it's and it's in like it's a we're still trying to wrap our heads around it as brewers. It's a ever changing hop, you know. Week one, it has tropical fruit. Week two, it goes a little savory on you. Week three, it goes back to tropical. So it's in like finished beer. Yeah, and finished. Wait, beer. wait, what? This is a conversation I've had with a few brewers, okay. um, and we we tasted ourselves. Um, you, you had the uh, we had a beer earlier today that had a good amount of five eight six in the dry hop. Right now, I think it's at its peak. You know, I think it's it's tasting where it needs to be. But the first two weeks of it. It uh, was almost like muddled fruit, kind of lost it. And then it goes into this little vegetable thing. And for some reason, 586, just, you know, from our flavor standpoint, it seems to pop after about three weeks and it just kind of comes into its own thing. Couldn't fucking tell you why. I don't know why. Um, You know, Mosaic doesn't do that to us. Citra doesn't do that to us. Simcoe doesn't do, do that to us. But it seems to evolve and get better over time. Then you reach, you know, your six, eight week window, whatever you have. And then whatever, let's call it quits at that point. But for some reason, and this is with a basically a standard kind of, uh, you know, Chico USO five, you know? Oh yeah. We're, uh, we're white labs, double O one for all our West coast. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Nice and Chico. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and easy. What are you chalking up to? Like, I mean that I, you know, I have, I've, I've certainly experienced some of that evolution of hop character with other kinds of things, you know, but maybe not exactly in that kind of way. That's interesting that like three weeks in at, and this is three weeks after packaging, not necessarily three weeks 
after you know you're not just sitting on that beer for three weeks before you package it and then it becomes this thing and then you package it like you are sensing it even after you've packaged it that it's going through this kind of evolution theoretically after you've already dropped yeast and there's very you know little activity then happening in the beer um no we're yeah i'm talking packaged yeah like uh, like yeah no i mean and we're good you know we're diligent with dropping cones dropping yeast and all that yeah no from uh day one of packaging to day 21 of packaging you'll continually taste a different beer almost every single day when you try it and i i couldn't you know it's it's, it's only in the beers that are 586 heavy and the beers that were 586 soft um same thing though some of those beers would just continue to they would pop better at, at week three but beautiful hop don't get me wrong and I what's, mean, like, what's heavy versus light like you know what kind of threshold or like what percentage basis are you going to start seeing like, you know, this kind of chameleon five, eight, six, uh, uh, you know, impact, uh, come into being. Well, so a week, a week later, later half a week, maybe, two, maybe we three. should like, t- you know, copyright some name around that right now, just so, uh, so we can protect it. If this is what <laughs> yeah. the hop's going to be about. Uh, oh no, totally. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, week three. I find it's, if anchovy can be a hop name, then chameleon could also be one too. Uh, uh, seagull ranch. And I, hey, it's a beautiful hop though, but come on, man. How can we sell that? Um, no, no. It's, it, I would just say we, at no point is it bad. So let me be clear here. No sure, point is it bad. It's just this cool evolution of like flavor. But I would say at week three, you legitly, you're like, oh, that tastes like 586. That tastes like what I smell, like what I remember 586 tasting like. For some reason, it just, takes a minute for it to come into its own it's just fruitier hmm. i don't know I mean, but it changes with whatever hop profile that's why i'm excited this this beer that we just transferred today that we carved up 100 586 so it'll be a fun one to kind of just taste it day by day by day by day without any other hops influencing it and kind of oh and it's 100 586 beer start bittering to finishing wild when you um you know what? What it sticks in your head as far as sensory on five eights? How do you describe it? You know, in terms of, you know, sensory to yourself. Well, when I first smelt it three years ago, it was like mosaic meets twenty fourteen galaxy in the same bag. <laughs> you know, and you're like, my God, this they did it. Um, but then it comes in, in, into the beer the galaxy that no one can find ever again, right? <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. We can just ask Connor and Tim about that. <laughs> oh yeah. We all know. That's why we're all going. No, no. Um, uh, either way, uh, I don't want to talk anything about that. Um, it's, um, it, it will come off as a, a sweeter, almost fruitier thing up front. And then it goes into this little savory thing. And then it kind of brightens back up after about three weeks. It's kind of where I'm, pinpointing it to be so it's like it's a great competition hop probably you know right because it's gonna probably look at boom that a little i don't know that was that was my that was my thought process going into the world beer cup and the, yeah uh we sat in the loose's corner that whole day so um, oh, oh. <laughs> oh shit I'm not supposed to say it. but um who knows but you know I mean, crop ear is gonna how change you too. Want enough how much you want enough Justin? Hey, no Never. No, no. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I'm still trying. I mean, this is our second year really using it heavily, you know, and yeah. we have a lot this yeah. year. We're going to use it a lot. You know, and I'm guilty. I actually never really used it in a hazy. So I think I need to get some hazies going with it because um, I've been kind of hoarding it for a lot of my West Coast and uh, things like that. But um, it, it definitely goes through this. You can almost see it like in the beginning. It's at that bright kind of like, you know, you get like, like I, 
a weird way. I describe Australian versus New Zealand as sativa to indica. You know, it's like it has this like tropical bright low makes your mouth kind of water thing up front, you know, and then next week it goes into the savory thing. And then third week it goes into this almost this mosaic thing, this beautiful berry kind of. But um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around five eight six, man, because um, this, this is our best example for us to do is to have this smash with it that's coming out. And But yeah, every time I do it, I blend it with some other things. They come out great. I'm happy with them. I just, yeah, it's a hop I really want to understand a little better because. How are New Zealand and uh, Australia, Indica and Sativa? I'm, I'm that, that I'm also curious uh-huh. about. Well, okay. Um, which one's putting me to sleep and which one is energizing me? So, so first off, I think that's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> I think one makes you paranoid and one makes you relaxed. You but um, yeah. <laughs> to me, uh, I, I always think of like, like you think of like, let's say Galaxy, Vic Secret. I keep trying to, you know, to chew on some Indica gummies to try to sleep better. It never quite works that way. No, it doesn't. It just doesn't, doesn't work right away. No, no. Sativa yeah. just makes you think the cops are outside your door, dude. Okay. Um, Indica Z, uh, that's of the body wake up like three hours later. I'm like in a cold sweat and okay. Now I understand. You just didn't eat enough. Um, you need, <laughs> you need at least 20 <laughs> MGs, dude. Uh, no, we're out here in California. Um, it's legal where I am in Colorado. Too, oh yeah. Yeah. So. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We love it. But, uh, no, like, like, like think about like galaxy, right. Mm-hmm. And think about, I don't know, blue dream, Jack Herrera, like these bright fucking beautiful sativas. And, Whenever I smell those, it's like smelling a sour candy. It makes your mouth fucking water. Now think about some fucking dank ass Nelson, some Waimea, some Waka, some of that. They're fucking earthy. They got this little manure thing to them in a beautiful way, which I always relate to good indica. You know, it's got grape. It's got all these dark fruits and it has a soil thing to it. And I don't know. The, to me, they, and they hit both spectrums, like in the beers too. Like, think about 100% Galaxy fucking hazy or IPA or something. West Coast IPA, bright as fuck. A Nelson, no, you're gonna get dank and diesel and dark fruit. You know, so that's kind of, you know, how I have always looked at those two hop varietals. Which is, it's cool. Then you can blend some New Zealand and some Australian hops together and get this cool little thing, but. You know, as we all know, a lot of Australian hops are unfortunately getting blended already in Australia. So it's a little bit of a crapshoot for us out here. So we're not, you know, I mean, we, we have so many beautiful hops from America as is. And we're getting some fucking awesome hops from New Zealand right now. You know, it's, it's, we got to do what works best for us too. So sure, sure. We won't get into that conversation because I feel like it's one we've trod before. But, uh, you know, but now that we've been talking for, you know, almost an hour at this point, um, let's talk about, uh, you know, the other components of your West Coast IPA approach. Uh, We haven't even started talking about West Coast style Pilsner, but we will get into that, too, because I'm not letting you off the hook until we talk about that. Um, You know, talk talk to me about recipe formula. Let's start with water. Uh, you know, uh, is there anything particular that you do with water in order to kind of highlight the components of these hops? Sure. Uh, are we going West Coast IPA right yeah, now? Yeah, let's talk about West Coast West IPA. West Coast IPA. Um, so we're very fortunate where we are here. Our water is almost nothing. It's pretty much a blank canvas. Really? Um Yes. Uh, yeah. Our water everywhere pretty much out here in the Bay Area. I mean, we're pulling from beautiful areas. It's good but, re- um, reservoir water, good, you know, re- not not necessarily aquifer, but it's it's just 
you know, good low mineral content, neutral Every, water. Everything's below 20 PPVs, you know. Wow. Uh, oh, it's great. So we can pretty much build upon that. But um, our typical IPA water profile, we're targeting about 180 parts per billion um, sulfate um, or calcium sulfate. Uh, we're in the 40 to 50 range for calcium chloride. Um, I believe our calcium itself is around 80. Um, I don't really pay much attention to magnesium and uh, salts and other things like those are the kind of the main three ones that most of us kind of pay attention to. Sure. Um, so yeah, so we'll target that. So, and then, um, and we're for, you know, same thing. We just need a carbon filter here. We're great. You know, our broader, you know, and we get yeah. our water tested uh, quarterly um, and it pretty much is always coming in randomly. Our water company is right across the street from us, but I can't get them to fucking give me a water report for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs> and their website is three years outdated. So, you know, so, and they come here and drink beers, but nobody will fucking give me anything. So we send our water off, but yeah, so that's kind of our water. So I would look at it as like a three, five to one kind of ratio of sulfates to chloride or something like that, you know? So we kind of just start there and then, um, keep things very simple, man. You know, like, um, majority of our West coast IPAs are just base mold. We're raw two row heavy, uh, we use a lot of our North Star as well. North Star pills, okay. It's a beautiful hop. Um, lately, I've been kind of going with the 50-50 blend. Or really? May, maybe a little heavier two-row sometimes. Um, Why? What, what What do you think about as you're making some of these decisions? It's just one day I'm sitting at home drinking a beer. I'm like, fuck, it's too malty right now. Let's fucking dial it back tomorrow. And then the Imagine next day. an all two-row beer. Like, this is too malty. This but, is too malty. It's got to be even lighter. But no joke. Like, like I was drinking one the other day, and it, it was all Pilsner malt. And I'm like, it has too much malt character, but it's not too malty. I was like, dial it back. Let's go back to a fucking two-row. Hmm. You know? And then and then we're dibbling and dabbling. Like, we still use some caramalt over here which i don't know if i should say that out loud but like hey, hey your Ding secret is safe with all of our listeners right Aha. Now. hey dingaman's Kara eight breeze carrot uh c10 and carahel c10 right a little touch of that goes a long way what's a, what's a touch you know in terms of one percent one percent so a touch and what just, do you what does it do you know, like you know that that seems like a sub threshold kind of level to use those at but why so why would you bother me, uh, the way I taste it would be it's I can get this fucking awesome IBU load. And I can get a dry beer or beers finish in the one five range. But then I have this little bit of body at the back of my mouth that bounces it all out and just dropped it out. So it's kind of like just giving that body to that IBU load to dryness, you know, because we're still, you know, attenuating out no sweat. It's a small amount. I pulled it out. I pulled it back in. Um, does it play a difference? I personally think it does. Then also it's going to come down to your hop profiles. Like what hops are you using? Certain hops are, might be a little more aggressive than others. You know, we tend to go pretty mosaic heavy in the kettle with our West Coast. So we can, you know, like I don't have to play with malts too much. But um, you're not doing the old Zach and Evan trick of matching base malt, uh, you know, to the hop selection there, are you? I mean, I should probably. I mean, Zach makes some fucking awesome. Both those guys are badass brewers, dude. But no, no. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of just, um, you know, if if I'm randomly for some dumb reason decided to use some Equinot on the hot side, which it's a beautiful hot, but it's a cold side sure. hot. Then all of a sudden I'll be like, okay, crap. We need to let's go two percent care on this, or you know, or you know, just a, or you can call it on a cohumulone thing which you know i don't have any scientific data to back that up but like a harsher hop in my opinion can use a little bit of that body i mean you 
go back to old school IPAs, right? Sure. Body, caramel, all that stuff. But we still need to attenuate down low. That's our goal. We want to dry our fucking beers out. So whatever it takes, you know, if it's a couple bags a week, a couple bags, you know, so we keep playing back and forth, but my go-to lately is just a couple that, bags of wheat, you know, so. Oh, sorry. So that would be 5% wheat, something like that for us. So, um, but I keep going back to the, the 1% kind of just a little bit of caramel malt in there, you know? And, um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it lets me get that IBU threshold that I personally like. Uh, without, oh, and what is that IBU? You know, where do you like your West Coast I, single IPAs and then double IPAs to be in terms of IBUs in order to capture that punch of bitterness, which is really necessary and useful, even though it may, even though people don't think they want it. I think they actually want it more than they want. They think oh, they do. No, there's nothing worse than drinking a West Coast IPA and halfway through that pint being like, ah, it's falling off. You're like, you're like, I want to, I want that last sip to be like, and like, it's still like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's fallen off my, you know, it's not sticking on the top of my mouth, but you know, I'm, I've got some residual bitterness sitting here, but, um, and, and IVUs uh, is not necessarily the best measure of this, no. obviously, because there are additional bittering compounds that are happening, um, you know, ways that are not measured strictly by, by IBU, but hope, hopefully the software at least helps capture some kind of broad idea of what oh, that is. Sure, man. And I'm, again, I'm changing shit left and right but right now what i've been kind of trying to dial my things into is like hot side ibus and whirlpool ibus like and we whirlpool pretty much everything at 180 fahrenheit hazies are 170 fahrenheit so let's say our typical seven percent west coast ipa we will target 30 ibus from boil and that's usually uh, about 20 ish at start and then another 10 around five and we'll get the remaining ibus at whirlpool and um, I'll target uh, kind of the old school rule, you know, like your, eh, I take it back. It's uh, right now it's, if you take your specific gravity, I would add about 10 IBUs onto that. So, you know, 1060, we'd average 70 IBUs or something like that. You know, 1058, 68 IBUs, give or take, depending on the hops. Um, double IPA, I mean, we'll throw, I'll throw everything I can at it at this point. I mean, a calculated nose goblin is it says 200 plus IBUs, but it's definitely not, you know, cause there's so much extract and so much just the stuff in that, you know, um, in the whirlpool ultimately like on, on D- nose goblin is, I want to say 30 to 40 hot side as well. But, you know, we use a lot of extract and things in the whirlpool. And so I feel some of that obviously gets lost. So it's kind of just every time we brew it and we bring in our new hops, we're like, Okay, this needs a couple more BUs. Like, like I was talking about. That's why I'm like, we have one more Goblin brew uh, with our new with our new crop, and we're gonna kind of dial in our GABF brew batch after that because we'll be like, okay, we're in tune with everything now. It's a few months old. It's coming to its own, so we're getting really excited about it at that point. But, the uh, vaunted competition batch. We'll uh, talk about. That. I want to talk about that later. <laughs> uh, yeah, because clearly that's working for you too, and uh, and I have put other folks on the spot about that uh you know but i want to i want to keep following in on this because you know you know i mean we use ibu as a number but you know the number doesn't sum up you know the quality of that right that's just a that's a calculated number or at least a you know a figured number by software in a lot of these cases not necessarily a tested number um and you're certainly also getting a bitterness contribution from the excessive dry hops that you Mm -hmm. add to these beers even if they're not isomerized alpha acids that that are you know typically captured by this kind of measurement how do you how do you 
you know, figure in, in your own recipe, you know, kind of, uh, ideation, you know, that kind of bitterness, uh, you know, that's being added through the dry hopping process. Um, I honestly don't All think right. about it too deep. I, I you just let it roll. I, well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess to me, um, cause our dry hop ratios are very similar for, I mean, from a West, for West coast to West coast to West coast. Um, so I'll kind of just take those beers, but then I know, like if I have galaxy in there, it's going to be harsher. If I know Equinot in there, it's going to be harsher. You know, like I know which hops are going to lend more from the dry hop, right? You know, yeah. so certain hops will give you a perceived higher perceived bitterness than other hops will. So a we ultimately long term goal is to eliminate them from our brewing practices. But while we have them here, we will drop down the IBUs six or seven from the hot side. The calc, you know, the mm. the take in my mind and make up for what I'm going to get that perceived bitterness from from that equinot or right, that or at least the quality, the harsher, slightly harsher quality of that bitterness that uh, you want to soften out a little bit uh, in other kind of places. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or you know, just do uh, what my uh, lead brewer did and throw some English premium caramel in there. No. <laughs> I'm not joking, but I, I should be, <laughs> I have to call him out. Sorry. Uh, no, no. But yeah, one of those, you know, it's like, if it works, it works, man. If it works. Yeah. But when it's all said, it's there's like no wrong answer here. There's just, you know, good and bad beers. Right. right. Just you, you, you do it long enough, you know, hope you hopefully know what the hops going to taste like and come off amer- uh, aromatic wise. But ultimately, you know how it's going to give you that perceived mouthfeel because, you know, again, I don't want to keep saying the same two hops and there's a few more, but they do that. They unfortunately do that. You dry hop with them and all of a sudden your beer tastes like there's 30 fucking more IBUs in there. While you just I'll go back to mosaic, you go mosaic across the board. No, you don't get that. You just get beautiful flavors. You get, you know, or, you know what I mean? Right. So it's yeah. like, you know, is that a Cohemulone thing? Is that, you know, I'm sure you're right. You know, there's a lot of things to that, but it's so Equinot, Idaho set or Equinot and uh, galaxy. galaxy. <laughs> Are there others that give you more IBUs, uh, you know, for their, uh, <laughs> anything on, for the it, pound anything from australia unfortunately yeah, okay. um but you know um yeah definitely equinot uh every now and then idaho seven yeah. um again like i said we're just getting into our new idaho seven now so i'll know sure. next week how it plays that role but yeah i mean i'm sure i can look at that on paper and get a better idea where it's at but you know we kind of just trust trust our senses on those ones and fair fair well let's talk a little bit about fermentation yeah you know, you know if you're uh We've talked about malt water. We've talked about malt. You know, what, what's fermentation look for you all on look like for you all on uh, single and double IPA West Coast IPAs? Totally, man. We um, so we okay. I, I will say I just changed things up a few months ago, and I'm gonna stick with this. But uh, so let's just go off that one. We knock out everything at 60 F uh, Fahrenheit, and we ferment at 62 Fahrenheit. Why that cold? Um. Two reasons in my head. Reason A, it uh, keeps esters in check. Uh, or three reasons, maybe. Uh, B, there's a lot of studies behind like a little bit of sulfur compounds, bonding with hops, increasing aroma. Um, and reason three, we have better aroma, which is goes back to reason two. So like- uh, How much does it slow down your fermentations? Not at all. Uh, really? because we, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll knock out at 60. We'll ferment at 62 until we're at about, uh, five Plato, 10, 20 ish or whatever. You're you almost know. in like cold IPA territory down there, man. 
But no, but then They're like five de- five degrees away from there, seven degrees away. What's a cold IPA? Oh, I don't know. But it's we're gonna we'll do full episodes on that later on. Oh, just, wow. You just have to listen. <laughs> Does it have rice in it? Uh, no, but uh, no. To me, it's if, if you're it's, lucky, it's, it's keeping esters in check. Well, so uh, here here, I mean, ultimately, nose goblin. All of our doubles have always been fermented cold. Yeah, for uh, and that for that was also to keep alcohol in check and you know things like that. But um, we just like, man, why are we getting so much better rums? And we're going, then we're looking at our hoppy lager or West Coast Pilsners and things like that. And we're like, sure, it's a lager strain. There's less biotransformation, yada, yada. But this little extra sulfur is like just giving us this boost of aroma, you know? So, um, yeah, we kind of swapped over to that. And lately, like, I mean, we're still dry hopping at our same ratio, you know, three, five to four, depending on the beer, uh, pounds per barrel. But um, yeah, we feel like our aromas have just spiked through the roof by doing that, and the cleanliness is there. Um, so when before that though, we were fermenting at sixty six, you know, still not crazy warm, but um, I, I truly just from tasting all them. And uh, great example, three no, two months ago we did a side by side. We have a thirty barrel brew house. We did a thirty barrel batch or two thirty barrel batches into individual tanks. One for minute sixty two, one for minute sixty six. Blah, 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 blah. Same pitching and everything. 62 had way better aroma than 66. Hmm. We tried it again. Same outcome. So, you know, it's one of those that's just trial and error for us. So we're like, okay, cool. Let's work with this. We're still on our usual yeast schedule. It trial and error makes that sound random or a little, like, you know, just, just like this sounds like uh, a disciplined scientific comparison that proves out your sensory analysis uh you know and and then it works within the brew house and process and fermentation cellar that you have that's not trial yes. and error it's you're very right. it's discipline it's discipline justin i mean it is no you're right you know and every it's testing it, it, testing it, it, these theories and then uh, you know double you know double checking them and well, well you have you to when you to, have the side by sides that's the only way to do it right, right. you know because to me it's not like i'm gonna try this spear here and then i'm gonna try it again a month later and try and remember no I want them both in front of me, side by side, pulled off the tank. Boom. Let's do it. And then everybody agreed. They're like, yes, both times. That 62 fermentation smelt way better. Hmm. I mean, they smelt great. You know, and it's, you know, I don't want to say splitting hairs because it was definitely, it was one of, you know, you can come up blindly and be like, that was 62, that was 66. So four degrees. Four degrees, man. Everything else. Like, you know, this isn't, you know, what do you think? You know, if you're speculating and again, you're not watching, you can't know exactly what the kind of, you know, processes are that are going on in that tank. Do you think, you know, was the timing of the fermentation the exact same? Was the 62 slightly slower than the 66? You know, was, you know, there a slower, you know, kind of generation and blow off of CO2 that somehow kept more aromatics in the beer that you know that's fermented at this colder temperature and you know what do you think are some of the mechanics that are creating that intensity of aroma like like you just said yeah the slower but i, I will say these are still pretty vigorous fermentations yeah. they're going just as quick uh, i mean maybe they're like lagging eight hours behind but like mm-hmm. we're i mean we're already we're still at terminal after about 72 hours even yeah. at 62 and we're not over pitching or anything like that but um, yeah. I mean, like like when you're when you're pulling the gravities, yes, they you know um, they they are smelling a tad bit sulfury or more, but you are smelling a little bit more from 
that Whirlpool Hop edition, I feel, you know, like, wow, like at 66, it was just, um, you know, you're just, uh, it's work with some sweet, cool hops in it. And you're waiting for the dry hop to make it come to its own thing. Um, but again, like, you know, it's, it's like, I want to, I, I, I want to educate myself more and I encourage people more to read into these studies of, you know, the sulfur compounds and all that bonding with hops. Cause is, I, I, you can talk to enough brewers and anybody that uses a lager strain, like we get killer aromas when we brew IPAs with lager strains and you also get shelf life, right? You know, you get like, and is that sulfur? Is, it sounds to me like it's fucking sulfur. I mean, as far as shelf life goes, you know, but um, again, I don't unfortunately have a crazy science background and we're just here testing daily. We're trying new techniques daily. And uh, that one seems to be kicking butt for us right now. And the, the aromas are just kind of crazy, going crazy right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's talk a little bit. Of, I mean, is there anything else that we can cover on IPA before we talk about West Coast Pilsner a little bit or West Coast Pills? We'll just call it Pills instead of Pilsner. <laughs> um, you know, nah. West Coast Pale European style lager with American, you know, Northwest hops as well as New Zealand hops. It's a real mouthful. Let's just call it West Coast Pills to, to make it a way easier. Let's go West Coast Pills. That West sounds Coast perfect. Pills. That sounds perfect. No, I'm happy to give my two cents on that. You know, we're sure. Um, uh again since you have a silver medal for it uh at gabf uh you know in in the the ipl category even though again ipl is a terrible nomenclature for this west coast pills is i i would order a west coast pills like 10 times out of 10 before i would order a ipl on any given menu um you know nonetheless let's talk about how you how you approach that because obviously this is some sort of scale something you don't necessarily call a pale ale or a cold pale ale Maybe maybe West Coast Pills Whoa. is a cold pale. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Maybe it is. I, you know. <laughs> nope, um, how, how do you define this? And how do, you know? Because there there were two of them on your menu. So I was we were in the tap room earlier today. It's it's definitely something you guys are leaning into. Oh yeah, no, we brew a lot of them. Um, easily two to three of them a month. Um, so again, this style. Um, you know, we I, I I think we started just making them four or five years ago just to keep our lager strain alive. And then um, we tried a couple from some other local breweries. And um, again, I'll drop another name because they make great beer, Fieldwork. They had a mosaic lager. And I remember just trying. I was like, damn, this is great. And, you know, back in my old spot, I made IPLs. We did all that, you know, and you never really put two and two together. But it's like, okay. Well, I can at least keep my lager strain alive in between, you know, and I don't have to kill it off at yeast management. So ultimately, I feel like yeast management, you know, because yeast runs our brew house. That schedule is what we do. So we got into that and then um, we we found a yeast strain that we love, which also, I I mean, BSI's Closter Ondex, I will say right now for hoppy beers, beautiful because hmm. its ester profiles are minimal. And when they are there, they're citrusy which plays well with hops. And we also find, or me, you know, whoever, um, there's minimal biotransformation. So a lot of these beers with this, you know, I'm assuming that's what it is, but their final product smells like my bag of hops. Well, like with a, you know, 001, uh, Cal uh, 05 or any Eastern, you know, yeah, you're going to have a little multi, you're going to have some master, you're going to have some other float profiles in there. When you like, when we go back to the tap room, I want you to try our 100% citra. You're gonna open it, it smells like the citra I select. You know, it smells like that bag of citra. 
So um, we kind of got all of this and we're like, this is fucking cool. You know, I mean, we don't have, you know, in the perfect world, sure, let's get 30 fermenters and just use lager yeast for everything, you know. Um, and we do make a lot of West Coast IPAs with lager yeast, but we don't advertise it. We just call them West Coast IPAs, um, which we've been doing for a while. See, you just you just hid this one from me. None and, of them on the board right now. All right, but all right. uh, no, we, we do have. Uh, we the, had to be talking for this long for that to come out. Okay. I no, see how it is. But it's no, there's certain hops that I personally feel work better with lager strains. What? Um, like what hops? What, what hops? Ferment better with lager strains. Smell better. Uh, I would say Nelson. Okay. All day long. We, um, I think Zach's mentioned our him and Nelson before. Lager yeast. Um, he, that was one of his uh, five on five picks. Yes. For, uh, yeah, I think last year for our IPA issue. No, that, that's our, and, and that, that was honestly, that was, I think the first time we brewed that, like four years ago, was one of those like, fuck, we only have lager yeast. Let's brew this. And then it was just, it was one of those just beautiful accidents. Um, and so now so, you always brew it with lager yeast just because, because it's Nelson. Oh yes. Oh, well, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I do a lot of Nelson beers with our Chico, of course, but, um, any, I mean, I, I, not even New Zealand or mosaics, anything like, like the beer that won, uh, uh the silver was hundred percent mosaic and it, it was everything from tropical to a fucking sweaty armpit. You know, it was, it was beautiful as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think with the, with, so our, our approach, real quick to it is like we'll we'll cut our sulfates by about 30 percent from our west coast ipa so they're around more like 130 ish keep our cal our chlorides around the same range our calcium's a little bit lower um it's the bsi clostrodex strain beautiful strain and then um all pills are malt you know little uh maybe- is this still raw north star pills or is this something else I would say 75% of the time it's for our North Star pills. Every now, you know, we'll go some uh, Vireman, Extra Pill, or some Gambrinus, you know. Um, kind of, we're, we're going to start playing again. Uh, we have one coming. We're doing 100% peach or uh, Nectaron in two weeks. And we're going to do a 50 50 uh, Vireman, Extra Pill with North Star. Um, but I, I do like the North Star because I think for those lower ABV. B, uh, ABV beers, it has a nice perceived body to it, the sweetness mm. to it, you know, because again, those beers, they finish out at one five, nice and dry. Sure. But they don't have, they don't feel like that, you know. Um, and we still dry hop them at three pounds per barrel. They get dry hop pretty intensely. But yeah, I mean, the take on that, you know, just, just treat it like a, a, I gave you the water profile, I gave you that. Uh, we hop it I, like a pale ale on the kettle and then um, ferment it at 50 until we hit about, you know, four Play Doh and then. Uh, let it free rise, dry hop it. We pump it with a shitload of ALDC because <laughs> way more prone to diacetyl sure, than sure. your L's, you know. Uh, when you dry hop, uh, you know, how much ends up in the dry hop versus hot side on the? Uh, those ones are roughly three pounds per barrel. Oh, wow. That's an intense dry hop on a oh yeah, pretty uh, low ABV light beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. again, you guys aren't messing around. These beers were designed for me and my brewers to get our hot fix. You know, like we made these beers for us to consume because like we can go home on a Wednesday night and drink a four pack and wake up and go to work feeling fine. And we still got our Nelson fix. We got our mosaic fix. We got our citrus fix. Um, so that's kind of, that was the mindset behind all these as we started making them. And you know, they took a while to catch on namings and all that stuff. What we go? You know, we called them hoppy loggers, West coast loggers and, consumers had a hard time differentiating that a Pilsner is not a lager and a lager, you know, is you're like, no, it's, it's all the same, but 
whatever is that's that's part of the marketing that's not where we deal with we just continue to make the beer but, but we, west coast bills is something that seems to have landed with people out here yeah oh no they and and you know and it's cool everyone's kind of i mean again in no way whatsoever did we create this or you know we just we found a name that it's a it, movement it's a know, 100 lots of like-minded people inspired by each other have been moving towards this and certainly there's some some key figures along the way that have helped uh, kind of popularize it and uh, i think we all know who they are um you know but it's kind of cool to see that uh you know these ideas percolated very quickly and uh like-minded brewers have, have a lot you know in, in large ways have been all moving in a lot of this direction at the same time concurrently oh yeah oh yeah man but yeah, I mean, so how do you make it uh, special and give it a ghost town, uh, you know, twist and tweak? Uh, I mean, what makes yours special? Shit, dude. I, it's, it's our selected hops. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. It's, it's, it's our ingredients, you know, like our techniques are our techniques. Everyone has their techniques, but we are mm-hmm. uh, fucking fortunate to have some badass hops, you know, and, um, you know, props to all of our farmers, props to the suppliers and, you know, every bag we open up right now, we are excited about all of our CY22s. We are so excited about, and you know, as long as we're doing our job and we're keeping clean fermentation and hitting our numbers, you know, 90% of the time the beer should, and you know, transfer tanks are purged properly, yada, yada, all that crap. But, um, yeah, man, you know, it's, 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 it's quality ingredients is what it comes down to. And I think that's what, makes it special because we are fortunate enough to select and know our ingredients and get a play with it. Yeah. So it's, it's a huge, I want to, I want to talk about the competition batch before we finish up here. Yeah. Um, It's probably the, the uh, worst kept secret in the world of commercial brewing, you know, but every year in, you know, the 90 days leading up to world beer cup and, you know, 75 or so days leading up to, you know, the great American beer festival, you know, brewers start, uh, cranking into their competition batches, the beer, the batches that are going to be, you know, the recipe plus the recipe plus all of the, like the most exacting of techniques and, uh, with the absolute best of their ingredients and packaged fermented with the utmost of care um, and then packaged impeccably because you know that these are the packaged beers that are going to go off to the competition, you know, to the competitions. Now, obviously, you all have seen a lot of success over the last couple of years on that competitive side. You know, as you're thinking about building and creating competition batches of some of these beers, you know, what are some of the parameters that you, uh, you pay extra special attention to, you know, I'm not saying you don't pay attention to these on the regular. You always do, you know, but, but there, you know, what are some of those hyper attentive places that you put extra special attention on, on these specific competition batches, knowing that they're going to be judged by some of the most exacting group of your own peers of, of professional brewers and whatnot, um, and knowing that in order to stand out amongst this kind of competition, these beers have to feel special, have a special character, um, have the quality, but also, um, you know, and fit within this kind of category, but, but still have something that lets them shine within this category. What are the, what are some of those things from a competitive standpoint that, sure. uh, 
that you focus on in these competition batches. Totally, man. Well, let's, um, as you mentioned, we'll start from the beginning. Healthy, healthy, healthy yeast. Uh, good cell counts. You know, let, let, let's. Is there a generation that you go for for some of these? Because, you know, sometimes that first generation. Oh, God, isn't never first. Be, right. No, I, I'm into, honestly, because um, we, we stretch our uh, cow strains about Gen 12. Um, so we typically, I like to get, I think when we get in a, past Gen 4 to Gen 10, we're just like, we're humming. Yeah. You know, even past Gen, I mean, I would stretch it further, but I've always been taught not to, but our beer is at you Gen 12. You find that sweet spot days. where they're, yeah. Yeah. So we'll time that out or make sure our generations are nice and healthy. Um, IBUs, I think plays a big role in these. So, um, cause you, the, the mindset is this beer is going to get consumed six weeks if not eight weeks after i fucking package it which by the way is fucked up <laughs> drink your fucking beers fresh for the love of god um but either way but it also it's another challenge right you know right, so right so then you have to your 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 goal point is not when you package it your goal point is six weeks after you package it after it's been sitting for that kind of long and that's when you need to optimize this competition batch for yeah so increase the bus just a little bit you know i don't know how much per bat you know it's one of those you know west coast five double I or nose goblin batch like you taste a little bit the competition batch will be 20 of you higher really i mean like our last two when they got released everybody was like this is too fucking bitter what the fuck's wrong with you blah 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 so when you're like well you know when they drink it six weeks later that bitterness fucking hit its point you know it you know, so you, you sure, sure, but you know, that took you that that's a, I think, a huge one. Take your bitterness yeah. into my uh, the mind. Um, obviously, DO dissolved oxygen, which yep. we're fortunate enough to test for. Um, another we've got some Anton Parr equipment right behind us uh, as we're sitting here, in <laughs> yeah, the our uh, alkalizer this, keeps yeah. turning on and off. Um, you know, that I mean, and it's like, yeah, at this point, it's like we've learned our hops. Uh, hopefully by GABF, you know, like World Beer Cup's not going to be every year, so that's going to be a, whatever. You're kind of just getting oh, it's the every freshies. year now, but uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. before. But <laughs> GABF kind of like you're in full swing. You know, you know what you're getting from your mosaics, from your sisters, from all your babies. So that you know, to me, it's like the week building up to that brew day. I'm not gonna lie, I'll fucking hang out with my brewers, drink some beers, smoke some joints, and we'll just fucking have a beautiful conversation and we'll discuss it out and we'll see what we're feeling and we'll drink our beers and we're like, this is hidden. This isn't hidden. This, you know, let's, let's bring these together. Let's, this is how we're, you know, we're going to use the same hops, but what is our ratios going to be? And then, you know, we'll kind of like to see where they are, you know, like, that's why I like, you know, the nose goblin GABF recipe this year will be slightly different than the one we submitted, you know, for the magazine. Yeah. It's going to, it's sure. always going to change. Sure. Alphas change, crop changes. all Absolutely. But yeah. So, well, but yeah, you know, healthy yeast, low DO, and then, uh, and, and, and honestly now, you know, uh, with the exception of ossuary, we just go hoppy categories, you know, like, cause I, I don't want to play the game of like, Hey, let's try and win in a small category that we don't make. Like, no, let's, let's just do what we like to do. And hopefully we can succeed or win an award doing what we like to do. But as we, you know, it's really dude, it's just coming in, getting in tune with our hops come that time of year. Cause we know how they're all playing. We've done enough beers with them and, you know, just communicating with my team, dissecting at home, just, you know, it's put on usually 20 pounds going into the season just because I'm <laughs> drinking so much fucking beer, trying to like one day you're like, 
no, no, more mosaic. Next day, no, fuck, too much, you know. And then it's just, but um, yeah. So I feel you. I feel you. Every time we do an issue I, and we go through reviewing, you know, three or four hundred beers, it's like, oh, yeah, I get that. I get that. Like, um, we're finished. We just finished up our lager issue, and I've been running this week. I get back into the running regimen yeah. uh, because I'm feeling it hard on my own physical fitness. Anyway. None. That's a that's a distraction. Uh, are there any other kind of uh, you know uh, competition uh, you know tweaks that uh, that you all rely on in order to? Which I told you earlier today. Apparently, I should. <laughs> I'm guilty as fuck as uh, our last two nose goblins were canned off our packaging line and one gold. Uh, but we that's again, a crazy flex right there. <laughs> yeah, we just canned it off a normal canning line and then we won gold with it, both of them. It's same with the other two beers too. But I will I will say like we are fortunate to have a C box, we can test DO. Sure, sure. We we can do things that smaller breweries can't, you know, and we're very fucking fortunate to be able to do that. So like like you know, like we'll we will I mean this year. I'm changing my rules, which maybe I shouldn't. I know again, like I'm going to get checked next week. I'm going back to hand bottling. I don't know if I should. I don't know. I'm fucking can't figure my shit out anymore. But, um, you know, like, like, like we'd go and then, but on those days, like, you know, I mean, like our, like I said, we have zero deal pickup on transfers. So we'll go to our bright tank because our bright tanks deal will be lower than the beer itself transferring into it. And then um, we'll test the fillers religiously like for fucking three hours straight and then we'll be like all right filler four is just knocking it out of the park today filler four is coming in below 20 or whatever number it is pull them all off filler four and then send them off and then we have our I, yeah oh, I, I love it. you're selecting the filling head oh on, yeah on the uh, inline so filler. at least we're doing that yeah, you know yeah, um okay. and then and then we have uh um, fillers it's so hot right now Dude, yeah, you know, it's kicking it. And then and then we have our practices, you know, we, we have a, a cool nerdy method of sending our beers off where yeah. we're able to pretty much keep them below 40 degrees up to 72 hours. You know, we have some packaging techniques for that. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, when it's all said and done, man, packaging is such a crucial part in these award ceremonies. Like all that other beautiful stuff, the ingredients, your fermentation, all your hard work. Doesn't mean shit if you can't have a properly packaged beer and shipped packaged, right? You know, it's it is definitely a packaging competition. Fuck yeah, one hundred percent is. Uh, I mean, you know, nowadays there's more parity on that packaging side of things, and folks are better at doing that. And so then it goes back to that's the playing field, and those folks that can package effectively are now competing on. All of the other mechanics in there, quality of hops, creativity of vision, ability to pull that off. Anyway, all of those things, you know, that fit. But if you can't package, then none of those other things really matter, do they? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Well, let's let's zoom out here and let's talk about big picture. Sure. Um, you know, you've now you know been brewing for Ghost Town from from one barrel through a fifteen barrel system through a thirty barrel system. Um, you've got future growth on the horizon uh, out there that you all are, are considering and looking at and, and hopefully planning for. Um, yeah, you've got some fantastic awards over the last couple of years and some recognition from from peers in the brewing industry. You know, there's a lot of collaborations, a lot of folks that uh, you know that that want to understand how you're doing this. Um, what's what's the big picture? What you know? What do you what do you all hope to achieve with Ghost Town? You know, where do you see this going in the next five or 10 years? What do you want to be? 
and uh, you know what what's left for out there for you all to achieve? Um, well, uh, for, thank you for the compliments from the peers and everybody. That's that's uh, that's awesome. Um, we are currently in the process of building out a new production facility, not too far from where we are right now, um, and we're gonna have our full restaurant there. And I I think. From my understanding, that's going to be our final phase. Um, we're building out the facility to potentially hit 40,000 barrels brewed, not packaged. And then we're keeping our current location and we're going to bring in an R&D system. So this still won't like get us to the point where we're out of control of controlling our beer. You know, like we can still, we can have a smaller lab. But um, I, th- I think the goal here is to, you know, get our brand on the West Coast, get our brand up and down the West Coast keep the quality where it's at, open up a, um, an R and D spot to let our brewers, you know, create, have, have fun. Cause I have some incredible brewers that work for me that uh, don't always get the creative passion that they deserve because, you know, we're currently right now just kind of cranking, you know, for lack of a better word, but, um, but, and you make all sorts of beers. There's plenty of mixed fermentation beers oh yeah. that are sitting in barrels all around us right here uh, on this side of yeah uh, of the of the brewery and uh, you know and so those are the things that maybe other folks don't uh, you know pay as much attention as to what you all do but they're certainly a part of your brewing program. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we try and we try and cover all every, every style, every everything, you know, and uh, our whole sour barrel as program as long as it's is- metal. As long as it's death metal, uh, but yeah, our whole sour program. You know, we we have an individual that just you know, Steve Hood, he runs that. That's it's it's, it's his baby. But you know, long term goal for us is um, you know we're all about you know quality of life, keeping our employees happy. We you know we provide full benefits. You know, I think we want to build a, an environment where people can have a long term job at a, a career at you know and get creative freedom at and enjoy their life at and. Um, to me, that's like, like, I feel like that's where beer should go. You know, it's not about just consuming cool beer, making fun beer, which it is, is what we want to do. But it's also like, this is a job. This is a livelihood. It's pretty awesome that we five years ago had two people staff and now 45 people staff. In three years, we could potentially have 100 people working, you know, and and they're doing stuff they love and, and we're making awesome beer. So, you know, I want to just keep growing the brand with that, bringing on more people that can help us increase the brand on a, on a quality standpoint and keep the care that we keep, but also care about the people the way we care about the people. But, you know, I, I think it's just as important to have quality staff that love their job as it is to have good beer. Cause our beer, I don't think would be as good as it is today. If I didn't have the team I have, if we didn't have the ownership that we have, that gives everybody the freedom to be who they, you know, it's, it's, it's a very well ran. We have zero turnover here. Like the only turnover we have is occasional bartender. Like the only time I hire is when we expand and I have to bring on another brewer, which we're flattered. You know, I'm, I think that's an awesome thing. Like people like working here, you know, it's, it's, we're learning. And when the time comes for us to have turnover, I hope it's when our brewers go to start their own thing or they find a better, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, yeah, I just, I want to continue to grow the brand, to continue to grow the people within the brand and, for all of us to have lifelong careers, you know, that's, I think that's the goal. That is a fantastic and beautiful place to bring this to a close. And of course, kudos to you all for that. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality service and reliability with 24 seven service and support. Gambrinus Vienna has a, 
balanced bready character with notes of honey, toffee, and caramel. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. Join the AccuBrew community and experience 24-7 peace of mind. ProBrew's rotary can fillers reduce waste and produce higher quality packaged beer. Twin Monkeys offers customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Discover the whole soft lager range by Fermentus and ABS Commercial is your full service brewery outfitter. If you've enjoyed this podcast and any others, go to beerandbrewing.com, click on that subscribe button. And of course, if you're a subscriber, you can check out the Nose Goblin recipe uh, from Ghost Town in our latest IPA issue. If you subscribe now, we'll send it to you both in digital and I think also in print format because, uh, hey, we still make print magazine. It's awesome. Justin, if people want to learn more about Ghost Town, how you all brew, um, taste the beers for themselves, where do they find you both in the digital space and in real life? Well, uh, real life, we're in Oakland, California. Uh, we have two locations. Our brewery is the Adeline location, and we have a restaurant in the MacArthur location. Um, you can follow us at ghosttown.com. There's Ghost Town app. And I'm not going to lie, uh, feel free to email me. Just justin at ghosttownbrewing.com. I'm, a, I'm an open book. Uh, I know a lot of OG brewers are that same way. And uh, the more we know, the better beer we make. So by all means, shoot me an email and... I'm happy to talk. That's like a hundred collab invitations right there. Just <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. Share yeah, some beer first. Let's sure. build a relationship before you ask for a collab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Justin, thank you for uh, for talking with me on the podcast. It's uh, It's been really fun to sit here, drink some of your beers, talk to you about brewing, and, uh, you know, appreciate you guys sharing this information back out in this broad brewing world. Cheers. Hey, honored to be here, dude. Appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.